Welcome to Pod Pod, our very first pilot episode of the podcast, all about podcasting, telling you podcasters how to podcast. My name is Rihanna Dillon, and I am joined by Matt Hill from Rethink Audio and Andrea Fox, podcaster, broadcaster, and live continuity announcer. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Very excited to have you. Matt, what have you been up to this week? Oh, it's all awards. It's all British Podcast Awards at the moment. So myself and Matt Deegan have been running the awards for the last six years. And as we record this, we're a couple of weeks away from the ceremony. Nominations are in. We had the Podcast of the Year jury get back to us last night with their winner. Obviously, I can't tell you who that is, but by the time you hear this, you will know. We're all very excited about that. And also, I mean, to my internal shame, a little bit behind the curtain, but I still haven't heard almost any of the winners yet, like the actual winning entries, because I'm not a judge. We look after the judges, but I'm not part of any of the juries, quite rightly. But it does mean that all these people are discovering these great new podcasts and the judges are really excited about sharing them with everyone at the awards. Um, but I, I really don't know what's brilliant out there yet until until we actually release them into the world. And I have a whole summer of listening ahead of me. <laughs> what is the thing that makes you, if somebody says, Matt, you've got to listen to a podcast. Presumably people say this to you all the time. But what is the one thing that can actually get you to listen to a podcast in the midst of all the madness? I think it really helps if someone has a specific entry episode. Like if there's an episode of a show which is like the it's not not it's not always the beginning. It's not always episode no. one. Um, and let's be honest, it, the the episode ones are never the best. Yeah, 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 episodes. yeah. As this will probably prove. Yeah. But like for now, you know, this is the best we've done because it's the only one. Yeah. But I think if someone has a, like a gateway episode that they think really appeals to me and like what I what I enjoy and then that will help me understand the format and understand where I, I'm just like a humble listener <laughs> I just like being able to hear it like anyone else and uh, discover what it is but there's so few slots left in my listening for pleasure each week that you have to really work hard yes. to fit into it because I've got my go-to's um, uh, and then you know I have a li- one that I kind of there's probably like a little bit of listening time each week but I just don't get enough yeah I never get enough time to kind of listen to the shows that like or listen around what what is really out there and doing really interesting stuff. I'm sure we'll get into your go-tos another time because um, I'm intrigued. But Andrea, what have you been up to this week? Hi, yeah, I'm very excited about the Climate Award being in the British Podcast Awards, which yes. is the first year this year, isn't it? Um, I've got the Climate Podcast, which is my own little independent passion project called The Age of Plastic. And I spoke to Johanna Conter, the former British number one tennis player this week for the episode, which is out now, um, about Wimbledon, about what sport can do in terms of climate change, about plastic waste at Wimbledon and about this new system that Abel and Cole have brought in. But but yeah, it's funny, you talk about not being able to listen to things for pleasure so much. And I think that is the one thing that sometimes I keep in mind, especially when I see another big celebrity podcast. And obviously there are some amazing ones out there. But it is a bit like finding out someone doesn't have social media when you find out there's a celebrity that doesn't have a podcast (laughs) so when I see another one I think I do feel for those independent podcasters and I think you know we've only got so much time haven't we to listen to podcasts so yeah you do sometimes 
have to have a bit of a catch up over summer, as Mark mm-hmm. said. <laughs> Do you? I mean, does it put you off if you see a celebrity fronting a podcast? You personally, or I'm is get it cancelled so- for this? But yeah, <laughs> I do just think, of course, of course, yeah. we could have a massive budget. Um, but of course, it is like that thing. Of course, it's it's such a huge space, yeah. and it's changed so much across the years that I think maybe it is a bit more difficult. And as we'll discuss, promoting the podcast is possibly more than 50% of the work of making it sometimes, isn't it? What are the latest headlines in the world of podcasting? Matt, do you want to kick us off? Sure. So this week, Message Heard, the independent podcast company, signed an audio partnership with the Kyiv Independent, which is Ukraine's biggest independent English language media outlet. Message Heard is a really interesting company. Uh, Jake Warren, who, who headed it up, is a former Vice News or Vice, Vice UK producer and journalist. And he set up Message Heard maybe, I think it's about five years ago now. And they've got this really great slate of shows which are limited run, documentary style, really leaning into that kind of vice style uh, journalism. So great sort of coverage of modern conflicts with their conflicted series, uh, uh, just really curious moments from around world history. And so I think this is a really great partnership with a, 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 a very live situation that's going on at the moment. I think it's really interesting to see how that develops because those partnerships, I think um, Message Heard have also done something a few months ago with Curtis Brown, the agency, mm-hmm. working with uh, writers and journalists and, uh, and celebrities on their books. But this feels much more them. Mm-hmm. This feels like something which kind of feels like their their values writ large, which is partnering with a uh, a, um, a press organisation in Ukraine to, to really tell their story. So um, I'm really excited for this. So Andrea, is this going to be just news predominantly? Is it going to be just one podcast, multi-podcast coming out of this? Well, it's such an evolving story, isn't it? So I imagine this is going to be possibly slightly different to some of their documentary style ones, and we'll be hearing some of those voices that maybe we currently aren't from the conflict zone. So I think it's such an interesting and important thing. And and it's obviously outside facing. And we've had some examples in the past of podcasts that are created for people, ones in Syria for war zones and people going through incredibly difficult times. And so I think it's interesting, isn't it, that this one is more about getting messages and stories out to people outside of Ukraine and who don't speak Ukrainian. And I think that's an important thing, isn't it? Because the whole thing for me about podcasts is learning about those voices and those stories that you don't necessarily know. I mean, Happy Place with Fern Cotton this week, speaking to Dame Kelly Holmes about her documentary on ITV, Being Me, and the law about not being openly gay in the military until mm-hmm. the year 2000. Those are the kind of stories that, and the things that I want to find out about through podcasts personally for me. And I think this is kind of one of those things I think message heard is definitely the absolute perfect person to be partnering with them. It's interesting also that podcasts are seen as because they're part of the internet they are meant to be international but actually I think some of the most successful podcasts are domestic in tone and they have a first audience they're working towards and of course the tendency in this country is because we will speak English and America is the most uh, the dominating market in terms of podcasting as a kind of feeling that you know you can make it in both countries but actually you know Trying to partner with organisations and media outlets in different countries that are not not that don't speak English is such an underutilised area. And whether it's about 
um, translating their work into English and telling their stories, or whether it's trying to create formats that could be franchised and take, taken out to other markets. I think that's sort of like where where we're headed. You know, we've got tried and tested formats that could be uh, translated into domestic audiences in other countries. So I'm really excited about um, audiences like uh, Mexico. I think mm-hmm. Mexico is a really interesting audience for podcasting. Huge podcast listenership, predominantly listening on Spotify. Um, and I think there are formats that work in this country that could translate to Mexico really well and to Mexican audiences. But we, we've yet to see real, like, I've seen a, a few Mexican production companies kind of starting to reach out and say, hey, would you like to work together on things? And I think that's sort of, those kind of partnerships are really, you know, the, they're in their infancy, but I think we're going to see more of those. And on that, I find and that's probably the best person to talk about this, but I think we have so much tech now in terms of translation and audio description where the foreign language podcasts will find a more of a crossover audience through using that tech down the line yeah be interesting to see it will be interesting i think there's something just to be said about like having local producers mm. and presenters making content for their audiences and knowing their market but with formats that have worked in other in other territories i think that's sort of the exciting thing and sometimes the tech can get in the way of actually just telling good stories and i think this is a I think this is an area which, you know, going back to Message Heard, they're experts in telling those kind of stories in English and to partner with the key independent to do that would be a match made in heaven. Do you think that other production companies are going to follow suit then all around the world, apart from Ukraine or Mexico? Do you think this is going to have a domino effect? be nice to see, wouldn't it? Uh, I think Message Heard will feel like they're definitely onto something. What's that Absolutely. phrase about? <laughs> Copying is a is such a great compliment. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So earlier on in our production meeting, we had a very involved conversation about Love Island, which um, <laughs> was nothing to do with what we were actually talking about. But how that came up was because we were talking about Reddit, and it's not. 2002. So why are we talking about Reddit? We are talking about Reddit because Reddit is launching something which could be incredibly useful for podcasters. And it's something called Reddit Talks. And it's going to be the ability to host live discussions, which could be amazing for podcasters who have often used Reddit as a tool to promote their podcasts or possibly even host their podcasts. There is some discussion. Is it going to be like Twitter Rooms or Clubhouse or something like that? And that remains to be seen. Um, You will have to abide by their broadcasting rules according to the T's and C's and be over 18 uh, according to Reddit um, and there'll be no not safe for work content on it which I think no be not safe for work no not safe for work content and I think sometimes people go to Reddit for that content so it'll be interesting but we got talking about Love Island because Love Island has been taking questions from the Reddit community and so this is really interesting because each social media platform seems to try doing all of these different spaces and how successful are they really for example you know we keep seeing those things at the top of our Twitter come up this is showing my age but I've never gone into one of those spaces to find out exactly what's going on but do you think that these have longevity or do we just keep trying out all of these different things that aren't working well, there's Reddit definitely seemed to have some funding behind them. We were hearing that they've been um, all over Cannes recently. Yeah. So they're definitely pushing into spaces. And I wonder whether they're thinking, because I do feel like Reddit is maybe for a slightly younger audience than myself. We were discussing how, I mean, I feel how like... ancient I'm, I'm, we are. I yes, feel like we I'm, were discussing that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I sound like Nadine Doris talking about the internet.com when I talk about Reddit, because it isn't my favourite space to hang out on the internet, but... 
Yeah, maybe I feel if, if people were thinking about coming away from Twitter, for example, yeah. there's been a lot of talk of what spaces are the best spaces to have actual meaningful discussion on the internet as opposed to screaming matches, which is what you often find with spaces like Twitter. So it'll be interesting to see how this moves forward with Reddit. Have you ever ventured into one of these spaces, Matt? <laughs> we did last year for the awards. We did a talk, like a Q&A on what was the one that was big and then died a death very quickly. I mean, I oh, Clubhouse. Clubhouse. There we go. Yes. When it was still only on... I- when my mum got iOS. into Clubhouse before me, I was like, this is going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so we we did that when it was early and it was only available on iOS. And we're thinking, well, the only people... And invite only as well. Yeah. So, so it was like... I mean, it was it was I mean, it was well attended because, of course, everyone wants to know about the awards, but it wasn't all inclusive. And I think basically I don't think it's going to work. I think Facebook and Twitter and now Reddit are trying to do the same thing. And really, they're text. It's text mediums. You know, the interactivity is text. Sometimes it's video. It's never audio. Uh, on its own and it just doesn't feel like a natural twist like we we have slack in the office um, and they keep encouraging us to do huddles now they've got this feature where you can like have voice calls with the same group I'm picturing you literally doing a huddle I know (laughs) a scrum a rugby scrum I was picturing I've never pressed that button never wanted to I don't want to interrupt (laughs) people's day like it's bad enough being in an office together like when we are and like having to like try and get their attention and take them out of the work they're doing or whatever the idea of just like springing a call on everyone at the same time like how many conference calls do you have a day or how many do you want to have I don't want to have any more and this is sort of an extension of that it is meant to be like a a space where people hang out and, and have community things and Reddit is brilliant at that and I think Reddit generally is a great place to be able to promote your podcasts because if you have a specific episode on a subject dropping into the very very niche Reddit group all about that subject is a great way to promote that episode and help them discover the back catalogue so great for that great for finding communities so it might work there in a kind of live space setting with a real passion behind it but otherwise you know it may well fall away the same way that it has on Twitter. We're not a fan of these spaces. Um, Are we curmudgeonly? (laughs) (laughs) You can find out loads more about all of these stories on podpod.com. Welcome to the Silt Verses. So joining us, we have writer and sound designer John Ware and producer and director Muna Hassan. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks very much. It's very exciting to be joined by you guys. So tell us about the Silt Verses, a fiction podcast that you guys have made together. So the the Silt Verses is, uh, it's fiction, it's full cast. We have actors from across the world who take part in it with us. And it's set in a fantastical but modern world that's quite similar to ours. But it's a world where almost the the logic of the Wicker Man has become the founding logic of the universe. So Terrifying. There are, exactly. <laughs> if you want your apples to grow, you have to make a sacrifice to a god. If you want your company to succeed, you make a sacrifice to a god. So everything is based around these animistic pagan style gods that everyone's worshipping competing with each other in sometimes quite hyper capitalist ways and that's where the characters find themselves i love that you you begin listening to it thinking that it's very much set in the past or in another world and then they just go and have a cappuccino in the middle of it (laughs) Yeah. yeah i loved that so tell us when you first started planning this whole podcast did you have an ending or were you thinking let's just see where this goes I think so. I think 
We just finished our first podcast, which was very simple. That one is called I Am In SQ. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, narrated by myself and John. It was very sort of written in simple narration, just the two of us kind of doing the voice acting. We're not very good, <laughs> if anybody does listen to that, which is why we opted to go for professionals this time around. Um, and I think we thought, okay, well, what can we do that's kind of bigger? And, and you had this kind of creative idea and you started writing the first episode we put it on the website that we would put out the first couple of episodes and we'd see what the feedback was and if it tanked then we would just quietly close it and 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 kind of put it away but I think from halfway through season one we realized wow there is there's a real appetite for this series but I don't think we've decided it was going to be a series three until we started writing until you started writing season two yeah I think in terms of knowing the ending I think when you're writing a dystopia there's always an idea that in the end we're going to blow this thing up so <laughs> yeah. like, no spoilers but yeah. there's going to be a be little mayhem. bit of, of anarchy coming at the end but we didn't really know where the characters would go what their journeys would be we mm-hmm. had some vague ideas of the directions they were heading in mm-hmm. but I think part of the fun of writing it and then hearing the actors give the performances is you change your mind Who was hearing about it? Was it through word of mouth? It was pretty much through word of mouth. We posted it on I'm in SQ and I think people realised that we were going to put out another show. So when I'm in SQ finished, we took about seven months, I think, breather while we were working on this. And how big was your audience roughly then? I'm in SQ is... 800,000 or so downloads now, isn't it? Over the course of a couple of years. Yeah. Maybe sort of a few thousand active listeners by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely not as big as the Silk Verses. Mm-hmm. And I think we put it out there and then we put it, so kind of word of mouth on Twitter, or on Tumblr, or our audiences in the discords and on Reddit, just kind of saying we're, we're creating the next kind of podcast now that I'm in Askew is finished. Um, please feel free to, to have a listen. And then it's been really genuinely quite organic. We were lucky that we'd already done a show, so we had an audience that was already primed to start following us. They were really excited and they'd already spread the word. Whereas with our first show, it very much was that slow grind of the first week we had six listens, the second week we had 12, and we're like, oh, this is great. Oh my God, it's going so fast. <laughs> and then it took a good year and a half for it to become actually getting thousands of listens a month. There's lots of hard graft, I think, for any show that's starting yes. out to get. Yeah. To get I, I mean, how do you sort of keep that motivation then when you, you're doing it to such a small handful and you, there was no guarantee that this was going to reach thousands? Would you have kept it going if there was still a positive reaction, but just from a very small group of people? We both did a writing degree at University of Warwick and then we did a writing master's. And we have very much kind of grown in that I guess slightly older, I'm not going to say how old we are, but slightly older idea before the freedom of, you know, being able to self-publish, so to speak, on the internet. And so we were very much like, you write something and then you get an agent and then the agent gets you a publishing house and that's it. And if you're very lucky, you'll get published. But we realised that a lot of the work that we do isn't that commercially viable, really. And we knew that it would be a bit of a struggle to, to get published and so we kind of were talking about it one day and we said you know why don't we self-publish why don't you try and podcast and I think it was the the reason why we decided to keep going is because it was very 
aside from the fact that it was our work or your work and it is obviously very emotionally charged i think it was the fact that we were doing it quite anonymously so i'm in a skew we put out without our names no one knew what we did and it was easy because we could just carry on and not have that kind of pressure of why isn't it a success yet yeah yeah i i completely agree i think when you've become used to the expectation that if you want to be a writer you're going to have to get through a hundred different rejection letters from people that may not have even read it. Even one person leaving a nice review on Apple going, I really love this, makes a difference. So that's, I think, even if it is bit by bit, even if you're just getting a few little mentions at a time, that really sustains you to keep going, knowing that there's someone out there that's really enjoying what you're putting out. Before I bring in Matt and Andrew, I just want to ask about the structure of writing for podcasts, because there's this sort of fairly famous thing where Netflix, apparently, when they're trying to get people to keep watching, they worked out that people turn off after, say, 90 minutes. So they started putting hooks in the middle of episodes rather than just cliffhangers at the end as well. So how do you sort of structure writing for this still very new form relative to radio drama? In terms of hooks, we you know we get all the post-its out and we're very specific about going, okay, so if we're going to have a quiet episode here, when do we bring in the really thrilling cliffhanger or yeah. the hook that comes in? Um, I think one of the nice things is when you see the response and you realise actually that isn't always what works. I'm sure Netflix have their reasons for their algorithm, mm-hmm. but sometimes you put out an episode where nothing happens and people are going, my goodness, I love the character development in this one. I want to draw some fan art of just these characters sitting and having a coffee together because that for me is, it provides all these other possibilities for people to springboard off it and imagine the character in different ways. So I think we we do a lot of work in structuring it so that there's almost always something exciting happening. If there's an episode where it's very quiet, there's got to be some kind of monster or creepy thing going on, even if it's just for a second in the background. But yeah, it's it's always really refreshing to realise the audience, they're happy to take a breather. They don't need to have this kind of very precisely tailored to giving them a burst of adrenaline Mm. every half hour on the dot uh, style of writing. And it's also about trusting them, right? It's about trusting our audience to allow them to enjoy the show for what it is. It's much better to kind of have that organic reaction. I remember when we put out episode six of season two, you were very tense because, you know, he kind of thought it wasn't quite good enough. It was too quiet. It was all of this. And actually, that's been an episode that's been received so well. So annoying. You think you know. You think you're like, this one isn't as good. And then everyone says this is their favourite episode of the show. And you're like, but what about this other one? I don't know I've got no idea what uh, people will respond to. We'll just keep going. Yeah. Well, if you haven't heard the Silk Verses, let's have a listen to just how beautiful this podcast sounds. Marco. Polo. Marco. Polo. I have spent my life in the shadow of this great and winding river. I have always dwelt in the shadow of my God. I mean, it's so calm. (laughs) It's gorgeous. That's taken from the very, very first episode. So tell us about the sound design when it comes to creating a world that is entirely new. 
incredibly fun and incredibly challenging. Yeah. So season one is an entirely different sound designer, uh, Sammy Holden, that we worked with. And then for season two, I was really keen to start doing it myself because I'd felt that where I'd had issues with season one, it was largely because I didn't have the experience to know what we could do. And that feeds all the way back to the writing that a lot of the the writing in season one, you'd never consider, hey, we could do a great action scene or a car chase or we could do something very inventive here because you can't write a script if you don't know what the possibilities of the medium are. Mm -hmm. So I started doing more and more of the sound design, started experimenting with myself for season two because I was really interested to know, actually, is there more that we can do to make this feel much more dynamic and and action-based? And so season two, I love the fact that we can have scenes that are far more filled with sound effects, whether it's monsters, whether it's some kind of action sequence than we've ever done before, which I really, really love. I'd like to talk about your first episode because I noticed on the show notes for it, it was recently updated. So it was, it was remixed. This is our first episode. It will not be remixed. It won't be, the sound design <laughs> won't be redone. We won't retake it. We'll probably try and delete it after <laughs> we've got 50 in the can because no one ever likes their first episode. But it's really important for fiction because that's where everyone starts. So it has to be a, an absolute blinder. Why did you go back and uh, what did you change? So we remastered. In short. Yeah, re-leveling it, doing a little bit of extra binaural sound design that I don't think we have in the first season. So to really give the sense of a space, the characters coming at uh, the scene from different angles. So just picking up some things we've learned along the way, going back and hopefully make it an easier listen. Because as you say, if a show has enough clout and it's serialised, people will always say, oh, don't watch the first two seasons of whatever it is, this TV show, because it only gets good in season three. If you're Indian starting out, people won't give you that chance. Yeah. So you always have to make a really good first impression. Yeah, I hate that. I'm always like, why? No one gives, you know, I work for ITV. No one gives an ITV drama two seasons, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Twitter, And it is that fabulous quote to do with podcasts, that if you're proud of your first one, you probably started too late. So I think it's lovely that for your fans, you've gone back and you've used what you've learned to like improve that very first one as well. Yeah, it probably scratches a, a creative's itch that probably shouldn't be scratched. You know, I'm sure writers look at their book and they go back and if they read it again, they go, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that or this sentence could be written better, whereas we can go back and, and keep changing it. But This is, this is what, so Helen Zaltzman, uh, sort of podcast royalty, uh, has talked before about how you, you only really know what the show is by episode 50. And I think that scares a lot of people when they start podcasting because they don't think far enough ahead to think that beyond episode five or six but episode 50 is only when it starts getting going so good luck to us (laughs) (laughs) we should talk about the fact that so your husband and wife and you make this show together uh, and it takes up a part of your life but you also have day jobs how does that work Uh, well we're still married no i'm joking (laughs) It actually, I think it. I think it's helpful. Um, of course, you know there are gripes, and we we both have our own lives. We both work full time, um, but I do think it's helpful because the person is just in the other room. So you can sometimes in the same room, you can just kind of lean over and go, "What do you think of this?" We've been writers together before this, so I think that is probably a better base for the show than us being married. But how do you sort of ensure objectivity as well? Because presumably it could kind of go one of two extreme ways where you'd either be overly critical of one another's work or sort of very indulgent. Uh, 
I don't think we're indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> we so, see the extreme. Okay. <laughs> so John, John is the writer and the sound designer. I do kind of like producing and directing. So you are the creative kind of force behind it. It is difficult though sometimes because I will say this needs some more work. This needs some more editing. This is not quite right. And you will take it on the chin. I definitely think... Eventually. <laughs> you know, we're a classic medium-sized podcast in that we're just big enough that it has to take up every waking hour, not at our day jobs, but yeah. it's not quite enough money we're making to be our day jobs. And so when you've spent, yeah, five hours of your evening trying to get the scene just right, and then the first person to listen to it says, yeah, it's not working. <laughs> okay. We did uh, have that the other week, actually. There was a sound. We're, we're doing a standalone on, on Patreon, which we're releasing to our Patreon subscribers. And um, he'd worked really hard on the sound of, of the, the creature in there. And it was the first thing I said, no, no, I hate it. I think it's really <laughs> jarring and harsh. You should change it. Change it immediately. And he kept saying, well, give me more feedback. What, what, what is wrong with it? And I just kept going, it just just sounds like a siren i don't know i don't like it that's not what i envisioned when i read the script yeah sorry that's okay <laughs> so you're not bitter no. yeah you do touch on monetization then let's get into patreon how has it worked for silk versus and for the other podcasts that you've made in the past yeah i mean we didn't have monetization for i'm in at all we just kind of put that out and we didn't have any advertising um in fact advertising is a very very recent thing that we've done on silk versus um from Actually, after we finished season one, that's when we started thinking about advertising. In terms of Patreon, we, we're extremely privileged in that we're a bit older. We've got full-time jobs. So we were able to float the podcast for the first little while until it started kind of making its money back. And the aim was always to make sure that everyone who worked on the podcast was getting paid. And that was really important to us because we don't believe in asking people to spend their time and energy working for free um, because we're also creators and writers and we know how much people can be taken advantage of. And so we set up a Patreon hoping that we could just recoup the show itself. Very luckily that's happened and now we're in a position where we're able to think about also paying for season three. So it's been an incredibly positive part that's allowed us to keep going without consistently dipping into our own funds and finances, which of course for the first bit was fine, but you know, got bills. It's not sustainable. It's it? not sustainable, absolutely. I'm actually surprised at the response we've had on Patreon. So I think it's been unbelievably positive from our fans. Yeah, I think when you're starting out creating a Patreon, it's something that comes with a huge amount of anxiety where you go, are we putting out enough that people want to keep subscribing? Oh my goodness, someone just unsubscribed. Is it because they hate us? Is there going to be an exodus? Someone reduced their monthly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, oh but one of the, the best pieces we had, uh, advice we got was from one of the creators of uh, Old Gods of Appalachia, which is one of the biggest fiction shows in the US right now. And he said, you don't need to do so much. He was signed up on a Patreon. He said, just people want to support the show. The little extras you create for them are fantastic, but you don't need to be pulling your hair out trying to make sure they get this super polished bit of content every single week. Just make sure your main focus is the show. People will support you no matter what. The whole freebies and extra perks they get are a great benefit for them, but they're doing this because they love your work. They're not doing it because they're looking at their watch, tapping it going, where's my behind the scenes content? It's been three days. So that was a huge reassurance. We've seen a couple of podcasts get turned into shows. Often they've been factual ones, but actually with Archive 81, Netflix picked that up. 
and yet it's been cancelled after one series. So are you sort of watching these other podcasts getting turned into TV shows thinking this could be us or is that something that you're not really interested in? Share your ambitions. Come on. <laughs> they just shared a look, by the way. They shared a look and said, do we, do we reveal our plans? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, of course, we would love who is going to, you know, if Who's Netflix no, comes, yeah. exactly, if Netflix comes knocking on your door <laughs> and he says, here's a check for X amount and quit your job. And it's an ambition, but it's also, we're very realistic that it is, it's kind of epic, our show, you know, it would be extremely expensive to create our show. So I'm not sure how feasible it is that it could be turned into um Film. I mean, Netflix execs could be listening to this, so I'm going <laughs> to don't listen to her. Um, it's really interesting, I think, because yeah, obviously we'd love to see it adapted into different media. I do think there's been something really interesting that's happened in the last year, where the Archive 81 show came out. Everyone in the fiction podcast community was going, well, what does this mean? Mm. You know, what does this mean for us? Who's looking for the next big thing? And then it got cancelled, and so <laughs> yeah. I think everyone's had a little bit of a. Oh. Oh. Um, do you do you think that is going to have an impact then on fiction podcasts getting made? Do you think that people will look at this Netflix example and think, well, it doesn't work? No, I don't think so. I think there is Netflix, um, Prime, all the studios have their own uh, streaming services now. I think the juggernaut that is constant content is going to constantly be looking for new content um i don't think that they will look at podcasts as a whole or fiction podcast audio drama on the basis of archive 81 and say it doesn't work i think they will probably be looking for another um bit of audio drama that will work really well i mean this has been done a few times before lore was turned into i think a prime tv series a few years ago i reckon we're one or two years out from the next podcast being picked up at most. Everyone wants TV shows. I mean, Paramount has just released its own streaming service in the UK again. So I think this is just going to continue. Yeah, I mean, Archive 81 was a, a big success for it Netflix. Was success, it was pretty yeah. claimed as in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Just whatever was going on with them yeah, a the few background. months ago where they were scrapping lots of shows sadly affected that. Yeah. John and Muna, thank you so much for chatting to us all about the Silk Verses. We've got a game to get you involved in. Okay. <laughs> Monkey Tennis. So this is where a listener pitches us a title or a premise and we basically have to develop it into a workable podcast between all of us. We've got a real mix of genres here. We've got a mix of expertise. Can we develop and produce a podcast in three minutes or less? The title is A Fresh Beginning. Go. (laughs) What is that bringing to mind? Is this a fiction podcast? Is it a podcast about fruit? I was thinking fresh produce. Yes. Is this sponsored by Sainsbury's and it's their regular (laughs) what is in season this month (laughs) podcast? Get Sainsbury's to sponsor it. Sainsbury's are sponsoring it, yeah. Okay. And are we working with the Sainsbury's team, turning their their staff into presenters, basically talking at the shop. Absolutely. Someone off the tills um, every week. About, <laughs> what people the are, best deals. about what people are actually buying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I like that. it's not the most fascinating. It's not the most no. exciting, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Maybe we need some... some yeah. We've got the money. We've got the money. Yeah, yeah money's sorted. I do think that, 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 that title is very bland. Sorry, anonymous listener, in the fact that it's, it's presumably <laughs> about fruit. It's quite optimistic. I think we should subvert it. If you've got a nice, positive mm. title, go with something dark. Dystopian it. Exactly. 
could it be it's a farmer who makes fruit, a farming family? I was thinking that. I, think I was thinking fruit. that. Yes. Yeah, they discover, yeah. they grow fruit, and they discover <laughs> that uh, dead bodies make their, their fruit grow, grow fresher. I yes. was thinking that. Dexter it becomes a, style. Exactly. Yeah. A murderous rampage to make the best damn fruit in the West Country. Sainsbury's are going to be so Ooh. on board with And <laughs> what they do is they open up a little B&B in one of the stables, which they've turned into an Airbnb. And that's how they get there. Because they can't obviously, you know, keep murdering people in their town. People will notice. Yes. Oh, so so they get outsiders to come outsiders in. Outsiders to come in and then they... The sorification of the farm, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Can we make the farmer uh, someone a bit like that... Clarkson's farm series someone who actually you know has what, actually Clarkson yeah sort of a Clarkson <laughs> figure who is like he's bought the land he's trying to do it and he's found this is like the brutal kind of the brutal reality is this is the way to grow the fruit best so he's just going to lean into that because he's, he's leaning a into the capitalism of it yes yeah. I, definitely I think we get some real kind of satire in there where all the other farmers have just converted their houses to Airbnbs and they're the ones <laughs> struggling on to actually produce something I'm hearing a kind of optioning deal with Amazon Prime here yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. I think we've got it. I think we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Who owns the IP to this? Because I'm feeling, feeling a pitch. I feel that was, that was Keep so, distracted. Yeah, that was mainly John, I think. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Thank you so much. I do think that we have a very good work in progress there. Thank you so much again to John and Muna for joining us today. So where can people find you? With Can they listen to you, find all of this wonderful artwork that you've been talking about? You can listen to us on all podcasting platforms. TheSiltVerses.com is our website and at TheSiltVerses is our Twitter. And if you want to see any of the amazing art being created by our wonderful, wonderful fans, if you just search The Silt Versus on Tumblr mostly. Can't wait till we get some Pod Pod artwork done, guys. I'm just saying. <laughs> PodPod.com. I'm more worried about the fanfic, but yeah. <laughs> I'm Rihanna Dillon. Thank you so much for joining us for our pilot episode of Pod Pod. Thank you to my wonderful co-contributors, Matt Hill and Andrea Fox. We were also joined by the wonderful Silt Verses, John Ware and Munna Hussein. We are going to be back in September, but until then, please subscribe and get in contact with us at podpod.com. Tell us what you'd love to hear and do pitch us some ideas for monkey tennis. We're produced by Emma Corsham for Haymarket Business Media. 